You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Well, I've got a word for y'all. Have you guys uh, been enjoying the series that we've been in so far? I've got a word for you tonight. I hope you're ready. So get whatever you need to help me close out this series with a bang. Get out your notes. Get out your Bible. Get out your journal. Whatever you need to do, whatever it looks like for you to soak up the word of God tonight, I want you to do it. Somebody say do it. Whatever it looks like for you. Now, I just want to clarify. I'm not saying you have to take notes. Not going to make you because I'm not your mama. I'm not your daddy. I'm not going to make you take notes, but I'm, all I'm saying is I'm in small group with some of you guys, and some of y'all be forgetting what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> and, uh, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade because guess what? If I didn't take notes, I would forget too. So maybe take notes tonight, all right? <laughs> maybe take some notes so that it doesn't go in one ear and out the other. We want to soak up everything God is throwing at us tonight, amen? amen. We want to soak it all up. So if you're currently just joining us tonight... Uh, we have been currently in a series that we're closing out tonight. It's a five-part series, and it's called In the Gray. In the Gray. Y'all been digging this series so far? Man, it's been good. We have been going deep. We have been getting into some real juicy, intense, hot topics. And, um, and I'm so proud of you guys for sticking with me over the past month, because I know the topics, some of them that we've been going through, haven't necessarily been the most easy or the most comfortable, and the bad news tonight is that's not the same for tonight, or it is the same for tonight. We're going we're gonna to talk about something very real, but uh, by the way, how about Pastor Sarah's message last week? Dude, past, Pastor Sarah, I have to follow that. Like, that's not fair. I should have made E-Man preach after Pastor Sarah. <laughs> Oh, man, but I got to follow. That's okay. So uh, if, you, uh, if you haven't been here, what is the gray? What are we talking about when we say in the gray? We're talking about topics that don't necessarily have the clearest answer. That's a gray area. Or maybe it's a topic where the answer actually is pretty clear, but it's an answer that's uncomfortable. Like we have to wrestle with that answer because it's, it's kind of tough and it maybe sounds harsh. That makes it gray. Sometimes topics are gray because they're, they're quote-unquote taboo, and so we don't talk about them enough. So they seem gray because we just haven't talked about them enough. Sometimes a topic is gray because God's Word says something about it, and the world that we live in says something about it too, and they go like this. They just go opposite. So that makes it gray. This is gray. And our hope that through this series has been that we would not be afraid of the gray, but that we would dive straight into it, but not with our opinions, not with what we think or how we feel. We're diving into it with the light of God, the word of God, to help bring some light into that gray, to give us a clear answer why. We talked about this in week one. If you remember, in 1 Peter, what does it say? It says that we can be, does anybody remember that word? It starts with the P. Oh, where are my note takers at? That's okay. We can be, prepared. Somebody say prepared. Did you get it? We can be prepared. What can we pre- be prepared for? We can be prepared for the gray, for the uncomfortable conversations, for the uncomfortable circumstances. Scripture tells us you can actually be prepared for that. 
And you can be prepared in a way that helps you to stand firm in Christ, to stand firm in Jesus no matter what. That's been our goal, and it's been a fun journey so far. If you've been joining us, we've covered a lot of things. We've talked about truth, talked about my truth, your truth. We've talked about doubt. We've talked about hell. Hello. We've talked about politics. Man, we've talked about God's will and our will and how that goes together. It has been an incredible series. And if you've missed any of it, I would strongly encourage you to go back, follow our podcast. Is anybody following New Song Students OKC? Follow the podcast so you don't miss any message coming from the best day of the week. But tonight, like I said, we are getting ready to close out this series, not with what I think, but what I know. I know is going to be one of the most important topics that we talk about. Tonight, we're going to be focusing on this thing called sexuality. So uh, if you came first time tonight, man, you came on a great night. <laughs> great night. But we're talking about sexuality. Specifically, we are talking about sexual purity. What does God's word say about sexual purity? Now, y'all knew, come on, y'all knew this message was coming. <laughs> y'all knew it was coming. We can't avoid it. So we just need to get comfortable with that word sex, or you're going to have a really uncomfortable 40 minutes, okay? So I'm not going to make you say it to your neighbor, because that's just awkward. But I just want everybody to say this with me. Say, we're talking about sex. Come on, say it loud and proud. Say, we're talking about sex. We're talking about sex. Okay, whoa, don't be so proud about it, okay? <laughs> Man, goodness. Okay, the passage, the passage we're going to be starting off in tonight is Romans chapter 2, okay? If you're taking notes, Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 1, going to go through verse 4. Now, this, this, this passage doesn't specifically address what we're talking about tonight, but I'm reading it to you. Uh, because this is my heart, and this is really the heart that I want you to see in this topic of sexual purity. What does it say? Romans 2, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. Y'all following me? You ready? You ready for God's word? Yeah. Starting in verse 1, it says this. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. Oof, Paul is coming out hot. Okay. When you say they are wicked and they should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Whoo! Okay, we're not done yet. But is Paul just like, he is slapping us. He says, hey, if you judge others... Don't judge them because realize you are in the same boat as them. But look at this, verse 4. This is where it gets really, really good. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Come on, somebody say amen for that. I'm going to read that again. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, somebody say kindness, his kindness is intended, intended to turn you from your sin. Okay, so that's going to be our foundation for tonight. Talking about sexual purity, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is this. Purity is everything. Purity is everything. Y'all with me? You got a little quiet. You good? Yeah. Let's do this. All right, before we get into it, let's pray. Let's invite God in to speak to us and move 
bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that tonight is a divine appointment, God, that we are not here on accident. Every single person in this room, every single one, you know them by name. You know every hair on the top of their head. You know the struggle. God, you have worked and, and moved in the lives of people who have struggled with this topic. And I know that none of us in this room are exempt from what you call us to do. So as we wrestle with this, as we go to your word with a topic that is hard and, and so full of shame and pain and, and just hurt, God, would you in your kindness bring us to you? Like I thank you that it's your kindness in this room that is gonna bring us to you, bring us to help, bring us to freedom. We ask that you would help us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Okay, so tonight we're talking specifically about purity, but how it, how it connects with sexual purity and sexuality. Now, I want you to understand my heart for everything I'm going to talk about tonight. I just want to lay it out here at the very front end of this message. I want you to know my heart for you tonight, New Song students, in this message. I'm coming in this message from two places. I'm coming from a place of love and I'm coming from a place of personal experience, okay? I'm coming from a place of love and personal experience. What do I mean by this? Well, everything that we're going to talk about tonight, I'm just going to be real. We're going to be talking about some real stuff. Some of it that I might say, it might seem harsh, or you might think that I'm maybe calling you out. I promise you, everything I'm going to say tonight in this message is coming from a place of this. I love you. Seriously, I love you guys. And if I were to not address this, if I were to avoid a topic like this because it was hard or uncomfortable, guess what? I would not be loving you as your pastor. So everything I'm gonna say tonight, please get it. I'm saying this because I love you, because God loves you, because I want God's best for your life. You hear me? The second reason why I'm, why I'm talking about this is because, and what, where I'm coming from is a place of personal experience. I'm not up here tonight and I want you to know from the mic, I'm not up here tonight saying that I'm perfect, okay? I'm not up here saying that I have never walked in sexual sin before because I personally have. I know what it's like personally to be a slave to sexual sin and all of the baggage that comes with that, all of the shame, all of the pain, all of the mental battles, the broken heart, the hurt. Like, I've been there. I've walked it out before, but I want you to know that I haven't just experienced personally the, the shame and all that stuff that comes with sexual sin. I've personally experienced the power of Christ in me. And you could say a better amen than that. Like, I haven't, just per, I haven't just experienced sexual sin. I've experienced the freedom of Christ in my life. Now, I say that to say this. When I was about 20 years old, um, this was seven years ago, the Lord, I'm telling you, he did a supernatural work in my heart. He freed me from the bondage of being a slave to sexual sin, something that had a grip on my life for almost eight years. And that doesn't mean that sexual purity is not something that I still have to pursue today, because it is. It's something I still have to focus on. But he did a supernatural work. He did something that, I'm telling you, no book could have done, 
no podcast could have done, no person could have done. He did a supernatural work in my heart. And I'm telling you, New Song students, there is nothing better. Listen to me. There is nothing better than walking in the freedom Christ offers you. Like nothing even comes close. And I want you to understand that. And I want you to see that the freedom that Christ offers you is so much greater. It's so much greater than all of the baggage that comes with sexual impurity. Are you following me? Okay, so I'm coming from a place of love and I'm coming from a place of personal experience. So let's get into this topic. I know we've already gone real, real tonight. Are you hanging in with me? Can you do this? Let's do this. We're talking about purity in the life of a believer. Purity in the life of a Christian. Uh, We got some Christians in the house? Okay, okay. Uh, We got anybody in the house trying to practice the way of Jesus? Who's trying to practice the way of Jesus? I know I am. I know a lot of you are. If you are trying to do that, listen to me. Purity in your life is absolutely crucial. It's crucial. Purity is a big deal. Why? Because it's a big deal to God. Why? Because you're a big deal to God. He loves you, and purity is a big deal. And look at this. I want to give you a couple of scriptures that kind of paint this picture of the importance of purity in a person's life. Matthew 5, 8. This is Jesus talking. He says, blessed are the, what is that word? Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they will see God. Okay, so Jesus lets us know right off the bat that our ability to see God. Who wants to see God in their life? Yeah, I want to see God. Your ability to see God, Jesus lets us know that it is directly related to the purity you walk in. It's directly related. Purity is a big deal to God. Why? Because he created you to see him. He created you to be in relationship with him and to know him and to hear his voice. And when you start to walk in or get affected by impurity and sexual sin, I'm telling you, it has a direct impact and effect on the way you're going to be able to see God in your life. Jesus says the pure in heart will. The pure in heart will. See God. I was just keeping you on your toes. Okay, next verse is this, Colossians 3, 5. It says, put to death. Somebody say, kill it. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Paul says, check this out, that purity is so crucial in the life of a believer that it requires a dramatic response. Purity is not just about like, I'm trying to manage my sin, Like, I'm trying to will my way through it. Paul's like, no, 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 no. You got to kill that stuff. Like, purity is such a big deal in the life of a believer that it requires not just like a halfway response, not just like a, oh, I'll work on it when I get there. No, it requires a dramatic response. Paul says, you got to kill that stuff. And look at this. This is the last verse I want to show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 18. Here's what it says. This is Paul talking. He says, run. Somebody say, run. Run Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Come on, that's good. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Okay, so finally here, Paul 
He, he reveals to us in 1 Corinthians 6 uh, that sexual sin is not a greater sin than all the other sins. Like, I want to get that out on the table right now. It's not greater. Like, if you, have a, if you have a habitual lying problem, like your mom is always texting you. She's like, hey, where are you at? What you doing? Who are you hanging out with? And you're always texting her, like, I'm with these people when you're not. And I'm at this place when I'm not. And you're lying. Guess what? God says sin is sin. So, like, I see that in the same way. So sexual sin is not necessarily worse than other sins. But according to Paul, Paul says that it is actually different than other sins. Not in the level of sin, but in its impact. Are you hearing me? It's not, it's not different in its level of sin. Like, it's not worse. But it is different in the way that it affects your life. It's different. He says, don't you realize that sexual sin hurts you? It breaks you. It messes you up. It's not like lying. It's different than that. Like, think about this. Uh, studies have shown that when you watch pornography, when you watch pornography, you're not just experiencing like a, sex or a physical release. It's not just a physical thing. Science has proven that pornography is something that messes with the wiring of your brain. Like, it actually messes with the way that you think. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, hey, sexual sin is a sin against your own body. So when you watch that stuff, you think it's not that big of a deal, but it actually is. It's actually rewiring your brain. Scripture lets us know that sex was a good thing. Did you all know sex is a good thing? Sex is a good thing. Like, let's just put that on the table right now. Sex is a good thing. It was made by God. God endorsed it. But this is the purpose, and this is actually what happens when that thing happens, okay? When, when sex happens, it is the joining of two people together as one. Somebody say one. one. It's the joining of two people together as one. It was never a casual thing. It never will be a casual thing. Yeah. It's always going to be a very powerful thing. And that's why God created it, was because when it is in a marriage, it bonds a husband and wife together for life. Yeah. Like, it bonds them. But it's not just a joining that's physical. Like when we hear that word, we think that's just a physical joining. No, that word in, the, in scripture is a joining that's triune. It's physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. So check this out. This is how powerful sex is. When you have sex with somebody, that is not your spouse. You are joining with them, and it is not just physical. You're joining with them mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and when you separate because you're not married, when you break up, guess what? You are losing a part of yourself. You're losing a part of yourself. And this is why God calls us to walk in purity. It's not because he's like, hey, I don't want you to have fun. I want to keep this good thing from you. I don't want you to experience this. No, it's actually quite the opposite. God says, no, this is a super powerful thing that I want you to experience. But when you experience it outside of how I've created you to, it will mess you up. It will mess you up. Purity is a big deal to God. Now, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I think there's two issues that I think the church has with purity. The first one is this. We don't really understand biblical purity. And number two, if we're just being honest, we don't care about biblical purity. Like we don't understand it fully and then we don't really care enough about it. Let me explain, let me explain. Uh, why, don't, why, don't, why don't we understand it? Well, I'm just gonna be real with y'all. When we first sat down, when I first sat down to play and to pray and to, uh, to plan out this series in the gray, 
um, sexual purity was not one of the weeks that I was going to talk about. I didn't even put it on, on the notes. I didn't even put it on my calendar. wasn't even something I wanted to talk about because we're, we're doing a series talking about hot topics, right? Yeah. I wanted to make sure I, I was hitting all of the good, juicy, hot topics. Originally, this week was not supposed to be about sexual purity. I wanted to talk about something else. I wanted to talk about homosexuality. You following me? I wanted to talk about homosexuality. I wanted to talk about sexual orientation. I wanted to talk about the LGBTQ plus community. Can we go there tonight? You okay? I wanted to talk about this, and here's why. There's four reasons why I wanted to talk about this other topic. Number one, it's prevalent today. It's prevalent. We, we hear about it. Number two, I don't think Christians have a good understanding and, and I don't think Christians know God's heart in this very well. Yeah. Number three, I know that it's come up in small groups before. So I know we've talked about it in our family before. So I wanted to address it from the platform. But number four, here's really what I really wanted to get to if we were going to do that topic. I wanted to get to the fact that God's heart is that all people, all people would come to know him. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yeah. First Timothy 2 says this, God wishes that all people, somebody say all people. All people would be saved. You know who that includes? That includes homosexuals. That includes, includes the LGBTQ plus community. That includes everybody. Are you hearing me? So originally, are you okay if I'm just, you, you, okay, okay. Originally, I wanted to do this. I wasn't gonna talk about sexual purity. I wanted to talk about this. And I wanted to talk about God's heart on it, but then as I started to chew on it and think about it, I thought, you know what? That's the issue. That's the issue. That's the exact problem that the church has. We don't understand true purity because the church has categorized the sin of homosexuality and all these other things as different. We've categorized them as like worse or like sins that God really, really hates. And and, and we take purity seriously when it comes to other people who are struggling. But can we just be real? We don't take purity seriously when it comes to things like prom night. Like we're going to prom and we don't have any boundaries set up for purity. We, 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 we'll take purity seriously when it has to do with other people, but we don't take purity seriously when it comes to our phone. Like we struggle with our phone, but we leave it right next to us in the bed when we go to sleep. We'll take purity seriously for other people, but we won't take purity seriously in the movies that we watch. Can we go there? We won't take purity seriously when it comes to the relationship with our boyfriend or our girlfriend. It reminds me of a story in John chapter eight. I love this story. Y'all know this story, but I wanna read it to you. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. <gasps> How could she? The law of Moses says that we are to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down. Jesus is bad. <laughs> He's a boss. 
Then he stooped down and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, this is beautiful, where are your accusers? Didn't any of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, this is so good, neither do I. But he doesn't end there. He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Okay, so listen to me. The Pharisees in this moment, they categorized this woman's sin in a different category than their own sin. Like they actually thought in this moment, I'm better than this chick. I can imagine if this was a modern day parable, we can imagine maybe a religious person in the church today bringing a homosexual in front of Jesus and saying, Jesus, this person's a homosexual. What should we do with them? Should we shun them? Should we not invite them to church? Should we kick them out of our family? Are you hearing me? And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, sin is sin. And before you worry about this person's sin, you need to worry about your own sin. They had adultery. You see, they had it in a different category. They thought that this chick's sin was worse than theirs. But look at this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive people or cheating people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me, New Song students. The church, we've gotten purity all mixed up. We've elevated things. We've elevated the sin of something like homosexuality so high because maybe it's something that we don't struggle with. And so we think that we are more pure. But do you know what 1 Corinthians 6 mentioned before homosexuality? Sexual sin. And you know what? That includes a lot. Like, that inc- that's a big, broad stroke. That includes literally everything outside of sexuality in a marriage. Everything. So, like, lusting after that dude on the basketball team? Guess what? God says, hey, that's not purity. That's not purity. Uh, watching movies that you know there's going to be a sex scene in, but you're going to watch it anyway. God says, hey, that's not purity. That's not purity. Uh, hanging out with your boyfriend, maybe going all the way to third base, but you're not going all the way. God says, hey, 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 that's not purity. That's not purity. Hiding that pornography addiction because you think you can, you can fight it on your own. God says, hey, that's not purity. Homosexuality, God says, hey, that's not purity. He says all of this, anything, sexuality outside of marriage, he says, hey, I love you. That's not purity. That's not purity. Now, I know we're getting really real tonight, New Song Stones. I know we're just like, we're hitting the ground running. And Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to understand something in John chapter 8. And I want you to understand this tonight. If you're taking notes, write this down. Sexual purity applies to everyone. It applies to everyone, and it's God's heart for everyone. Sexual purity, it doesn't just apply to dudes. It doesn't just apply to girls. It doesn't just apply to, to apply to people in your school that are messing around. No, it applies to everyone. 
And the Pharisees thought that they had purity because they were clean on the outside. They thought they were pure, but look at this. Psalm 16 says this, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So Jesus, Jesus saw past the outward cleanliness of the Pharisees. He saw straight through it, and he saw the sin in their life. It might not have been as obvious. Are you hearing me? It might not have been as out on the table as this woman caught in adultery, but Jesus lets us know, hey, sin is sin. Sin is sin. And Jesus does two things that I think are beautiful at outlining what biblical purity means. The first thing is just this. Jesus reminds the Pharisees that the woman caught in adultery wasn't the only person who needed to be striving for purity. They ran to him thinking they were so pure. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You need purity too. You need purity too. Purity applies to everyone. And people, sometimes Christians, we equate purity with virginity. And we think, listen to me, we, we think that purity is something that you just have to deal with until you get married. And then when you're married, it's just whatever. No, no, no. Can I actually tell you, it's, when you get married, I think purity actually gets lifted. You need more purity in your life. Purity gets more important. But listen to me, purity does not equal virginity. You can be a virgin and not walk in purity. You can be married and not walk in purity. Purity is for everyone. Purity applies to everyone. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care if you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years. Purity applies to you. It applies to everybody. Jesus lets us know this in this parable or in this story. The second thing Jesus does is he reveals to us not only that purity is for everyone, but also that it's God's heart. Where do we see this? Well, Jesus, after he reminds the Pharisees of their sin, does he look to the woman caught in the act of adultery and say, hey, it's all good. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. <laughs> does, he, does, he look at her, does he look at her and say, hey, the Pharisees sin too. It's all good. Like, just keep living your life. Keep trying. No, no, no. What does he say? What does he say? He says, hey, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Jesus, knowing and understanding, listen to me, this woman that was thrown in front of the Pharisees, do you know how embarrassed she probably was? Do you know how full of shame she probably felt in this moment? And Jesus addresses that by saying, hey, I don't condemn you. He extends grace, but he doesn't just do that. He lifts her up into purity. He extends grace for her, and he lets her know that, hey, this adultery that you've walked in, it hasn't ruined your chances of following me. Are you hearing me? She looks, he looks at her and says, hey, I'm extending you, you grace because the mistakes you've made, that doesn't cancel your ability to walk in purity. Are you hearing me? He says, I'm extending grace, but I'm not just doing that. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up into purity. Jesus, in love, he confronted the Pharisees on their sin. And Jesus, in love, he confronted her on her sin. He confronted her. So, so how in the world do we actually walk out purity? Because if the standard is that high, which it is, how in the world do we actually walk it out? I remember being in the middle when I was a teenager of my sexual sin. I remember feeling like it was absolutely impossible to be freed from. 
I remember that feeling. But listen to me, if Jesus commands her and he commands you to go and sin no more, then guess what? It's possible. It's possible. It really is. If Jesus places a call on your life, even if it's not easy, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard, he will empower you to, to do it. And Jesus empowers us to walk in purity and it's worth it and it's possible and I want you to walk in the freedom of Christ. So how do we do it? You ready? How do we do it? How do we walk in purity? Well, I wanna give you a scripture that really just points it out super clearly to us and it's gonna be so easy for you to memorize because there's just a bunch of twos in this verse, all right? It's 2 Timothy 2, 22, all right? 2 Timothy 2, 22. So I want you to write that down. Here's what it says. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Okay, in this scripture, I think we're given three strategies, three ways that all of us, not just the guys in the room, Every single person should be implementing in their life if they want to see God. Do you want to see God? Yeah. I want to see God. Okay, I want you to see God. If you want to, here are three things to help us all walk in purity and to continue walking in purity. The first one is this. We don't fight sexual sin. We run from it. We don't fight sexual sin. We run from it. You know, one of the worst things that you and I can do if we're trying to walk in purity is not change the environment that we're in. That's like one of the worst things we can do. It's allowing ourselves to stay in the same environment that stimulates, what does that verse say? Stimulates youthful lusts for you, and whatever that is specifically for you. The worst thing you can do is just stay put in that environment and think that you can learn how to beat it without it changing. That's like the worst thing you can do. Listen to me, New Song students. God is letting us know right off the bat, hey, sexual sin, you can't fight it. If you try and fight it, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. You can't fight it by, you can't fight it by beating it and wrestling it. The only way you can beat sexual purity or sexual sin is to run from it. It's to change your environment. It's to get out. Y'all remember the story of Joseph and he's been elevated all the way up into authority. He's like super high in command. He works for this guy named Potiphar. And one day, uh, he's working in Potiphar's house. And he has got honor and glory. And he's, he's just killing it. He's walking in the fog. It's the favor of God. He's just chilling, walking in the fog. And um, yeah, you should use that. That's a good one. He's walking in the fog. And one day, Potiphar's wife... She a little thirsty for some Joseph, okay? She's she thirsty for some Joseph. And Potiphar, what does she do? She shows up, and this, this chick tries to put a move on Joseph. They're, they're alone. Nobody's there. And you know what Joseph did? You know, he didn't sit down Potiphar and go, hey, no, 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 this, this feels wrong. We shouldn't do this. Your husband could come. No, what does he do? He ran. He's just like, nope. And he ran so fast out of there that she, she, she ripped his shirt off, and he ran shirtless. He might have ran without pants, too. I don't really know what happened. But he ran. He ran out of that environment. He changed 
the environment. I had a buddy who uh, we went to high school to, uh, together. We were in the same youth group. He's now the youth pastor at my old youth group. And he would tell stories about how when him and his current wife were dating, they didn't divorce or anything, his wife that he's married to now. <laughs> when, uh, when they were dating, if they were ever kissing and you know, it was getting a little too steamy, you know what this guy would do? He would run out of the room. Like, didn't matter what they were doing. They could have been in his parents' house or her parents' house. If it started to get a little steamy, he would run from her. He would just run out. And you know what? I think we need to be doing that too. <laughs> New Song students, hear me. New Song students, hear me. It's funny. But you can't fight purity by staying in the same environment. Like, you really can't. You have to learn to run from it. Whatever that looks like for you. I know everybody in this room, hear me. Everybody in this room, we struggle with this thing differently. And we're not gonna pretend like anybody in here has it all figured out. But here's what I do know. If you will start to learn how to run from it, you will learn how to walk in the freedom of Christ. Point number two is this. Point number two is this. We don't arrive at purity. We run in it. We don't arrive at purity one day. We run in it. Look at this. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, what should we do? Pursue. Oh, that sounds like in pursuit. We did that a couple years ago. Somebody say pursue. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Scripture tells us that instead of placing ourselves in environments that are going to cause us to, to fall, to get hurt, to, to fall into this thing that's actually going to hurt us, our mind and our heart and all these things, instead of that, we need to change our environment and we need to keep following. What does it mean to pursue? It means to chase. It means to keep following. In other words, listen to me. Purity isn't an absence of sin. Purity isn't an absence of sin. It's the condition of your heart. It's not an absence of sin. It's not like, oh, I've, I haven't looked at that thing for a couple weeks now. I'm pure. No, purity is I'm still following Jesus. Are you hearing me? Purity is I'm still, I'm still pursuing Jesus. There's a scripture in 1 Samuel 15 about a king that God literally says, and this is pretty harsh about a king. You do not want this compliment from God. God says, I regret ever making this dude king. <laughs> like, that's a big deal. What did he do? Was he like killing kittens? kittens? Was he like, what was he doing? Was he like doing human sacrifices in this kingdom? What, he must have been doing something really bad. What, is he, what, did, what was he doing? Look at this. 1 Samuel 15, 11. It says, this is God talking. I regret that I have made Saul king. Why? For he has turned his back from following me. Wow. Following me. So listen to me. At some point in Saul's life, wherever God went, Saul went. So if God went over here, Saul was like, okay, cool, we're going over here. And if God went over here, Saul was like, cool, we're going over here. But at some point in Saul's life, you know what Saul did? He sat down. And he just stopped. He stopped pursuing. Are you hearing me? He stopped following. And, and God says, I regret ever making Saul king because the second he stopped following me was the second he stopped walking in purity. I'm telling you, the only way that we are going to walk in purity is not by willing our way. You need the power of Jesus. You need Jesus. 
And you need to pursue Jesus. And that's the only way. It's through his power working in you. Your pursuit in him that is going to help you see the freedom of Christ in your life. Amen? Amen. I want to invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. What was our first point? It was we don't fight sexual sin. We, we run from it. We don't arrive at purity. We run in it. So like, listen to me. I haven't arrived at purity yet. I'm still running in it. I'm going to be running in it till the day I die. And so are you even in the freedom I walk in. You hearing me? Like God freed me from sexual sin and I still need purity. We were never gonna arrive at purity and the last one is this, and this is huge. If you're taking notes, write this down. We run in purity with others. We run in purity with others. Look at this, 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, at the end, what does it say? Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Okay, I remember when uh, I was in the middle of my struggle. When I was in high school and middle school and, and early college, I struggled with pornography. I had a pornography addiction. It had a, it had a stronghold on my life. It was something that I tried so hard to break on my own. And I was covered in shame. I was covered in, I, I felt terrible for eight years of my life because of this thing that was plaguing my mind. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed this prayer. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before about something differently. God, I just wish you would take it away. God, I just wish you would take it away. I wish you could just zap this out of me. I hate this sin. I hate what it does to my mind. I hate how it makes me think. I hate the way it makes me feel. I was like, God, can you please just zap this out of me. And it's funny, every time I prayed that prayer, you know what happened? God would open up a door in my life for me to confess. He'd open up a door in my life for me to confess, whether that was in small group when I was in youth group. Maybe it was with my dad in the car, there was an opportunity that maybe the topic came up and, and God is like, hey, I'm inviting you to confess. I'm inviting you to tell somebody, but every single time for eight years, you know what I did? Shoved that down. I was like, no, I can't tell anybody. I shoved it down real deep. And you know what? Every time I fell into sin, every time I fell into that sin, the first thing Jesus offered me, and it's the first thing he offers you, is forgiveness. Jesus sees you in the middle of your sin. Scripture says he died when you were still sinning. So Jesus is not worried about your sin. He looks at you and he says, hey, I forgive you. That's the first thing Jesus offered me every time I fell in that sin. But it didn't matter how much forgiveness I got from Jesus. Jesus said, hey, scripture makes it clear. I will always forgive you for this, but you need healing. And healing comes through confession. Healing comes through confession. It didn't matter how much I wanted this to go away or how much I desired to, to, to see it gone or how much I prayed. Listen to me. If I was not willing to change my environment, humble myself, and confess, I was never going to see the freedom that Christ called me to live in. And I'll never forget, one day, I fell in sin. I fell in this, uh, this struggle that I had. And the second after... I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. You know what he said? He said, call Haley. And I was like, Haley's my wife, if you don't know. And at the time, she was just my girlfriend, and we had only been dating for like six months. 
And I hear the Holy Spirit tell me in this moment, call Haley right now and tell her. And I was like, are you kidding me, God? Like, that's my girlfriend, that's really weird. That's awkward. I had thoughts like, what if she sees me differently? What if she breaks up with me? I had these thoughts, but I felt God say in this moment, Jackson, do you wanna be free? Like, do you wanna be free? Because if you want the healing in this area of your life, which I've actually provided for, Jesus says, guess what? I have it for you, it's, it's available to you, but it's going to require you to make a dramatic response. So you know what I did? I, I picked up the phone, I called Haley, I told her about it, and you know what? If we're being honest, it was one of the most embarrassing, one of the hardest, most uncomfortable calls I've ever made. But you know what else it was? It was one of the best phone calls I've ever made in my life. You know why? because that was something that shifted something in my heart. It was from that phone call. I can look at the trajectory of my life and it wasn't until I was willing to get uncomfortable and maybe even to get embarrassed and tell somebody that I trusted. It wasn't until that moment that I was going to see breakthrough in this area of my life. And God did a supernatural work. I'm telling you, there's no other way to describe it. He did a supernatural work in my heart through that phone call. And seven years later, I've been walking in freedom. And you know what? It's not because I'm a superhero. It's not because I'm a pastor. You know why? It's because I changed my environment. It's because I trusted people. I confessed. Are you hearing me? It's because I kept on pursuing. And guess what? Those are all things that you can do. Purity is for you. Jesus calls us all to walk in purity. He would never call you to do something that you can't do, that he won't equip you to do. And I believe that there's some breakthrough that God wants to do tonight in the hearts of all of us. We all need purity. He, 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 he calls all of us to walk in purity. And so right now I wanna invite everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment.